thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. This is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast because we always enjoy reading and talking about Trekker and any of Ron Randall's other comics. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material every Monday, where the Chapel Town storyline is currently in progress. It's a fun sci-fi adventure with a retro Western feel. It's definitely worth checking out. There you'll also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. TrekkerComic.com also has a link to his Patreon page where you can donate to help support the creation of brand new Trekker material if you want. For a small monthly donation, you get an early look at each week's page, along with a behind-the-scenes look at the development of the page. As a Patreon supporter, you can also get PDF copies of the various Trekker stories and, of course, the satisfaction of knowing you are helping to support new Trekker material. The big news this month is that the next volume of Trekker is now available for pre-order. The book is Trekker Rites of Passage and will be released by Dark Horse Comics in February, but you can pre-order it right now so you receive it as soon as it's released. You can order it from your local comic shop or directly from Dark Horse Comics. You can also order it from Penguin Random House and Amazon.com. We'll have links to all of those sources in our show notes, so order your copy now. And in most cases, you can pre-order the book at a discounted price. And you know you will want the book, so go ahead and order it now, and maybe you will save a little money at the same time. In this episode, we're covering the first half of The Train to Avalon Bay, which is a double-length story featured in the trade paperback of the same name. This story marked the return of Trekker, Mercy St. Clair, after an absence of more than a decade, but the story is definitely worth the wait. It is a great action adventure and features some revealing character developments. Since this is a double-length story, we're going to cover it in two episodes. And actually, the Train to Avalon Bay trade paperback includes both this double-length story as well as the story City of the Dead. So technically, we'll actually cover this book in three episodes. The book is available in a printed trade paperback published in 2014, and the story was serialized in Dark Horse Presents in 2013. You can also get a digital copy from Comixology or the Dark Horse Comics app, as well as from the Amazon Kindle store. And later in this episode, we'll share some of the great comments and feedback we've received since last time, so we hope you'll stick around. The show is much more fun for everyone when we hear from you. It's a pleasure to share your comments, so please write in and let us know what you think. Tell us how you discovered Trekker. Which characters do you like the most? What's your favorite issue? Any stories or thoughts you want to share will be appreciated. So stop by trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media connections, or send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com and we'll include your comments in a future episode. Train to Avalon Bay, Part 1 The Train to Avalon Bay is a 50-page story that was published in 2013 in Dark Horse Presents, issues 24 through 29, and in the Train to Avalon Bay trade paperback in 2014. The story is written and illustrated by Ron Randall. The glorious colors are by Jeremy Colwell. Letters are by Ken Brusnack. The cover features a scene that should be familiar to any listener of Trekker Talk, since it's the image we use for our show logo. It is an image of Mercy St. Clair inside of a purple circle, both guns drawn, and she is firing her smaller pistol with a blast of laser fire. In the background, a split image illustrates the two very different worlds she patrols, including the dangerous streets of New Gellif and the harsh, arid lands surrounding the city. 
The story opens in New Gallif. It's dusk, and the city seems covered in a soot-filled cloud. An armed man is running through a dark alley. Using her reeler, Mercy swings in from above toward Beachman, her latest quarry. Beachman turns and fires his gun, but Mercy is nowhere in sight. A worried Beachman looks around frantically, and suddenly Mercy crashes through the wall behind him, knocking him to the ground. Later, the police arrive, and Mercy's uncle Alex pays her the bounty for Beachman. The two can't manage more than a short and indirect conversation, as neither can think of how to talk about the recent death of Paul Clemens. He was a police officer in Uncle Alex's precinct, and Mercy's former lover. The next day, Mercy and her best friend Molly are standing in a long line with luggage in hand. Mercy doesn't want to go, but Molly is insisting that the two take the train to beautiful Avalon Bay for a week-long vacation. Mercy is still trying to back out of the trip at the last minute, but Molly isn't accepting any excuses and coyly tells Mercy that she can't resist Molly's charming company. Then Mercy's attention gets distracted by three men in the next line. Mercy immediately recognizes them as a pair of undercover federal agents escorting a witness, and she thinks the agents seem extremely inexperienced in her opinion, and that worries her. She makes another attempt to back out of the trip, but Molly sees her concern as just another excuse and drags her onto the train just as it leaves the station. The train speeds out of New Gallup on its electromag track into the barren wasteland of the poison clay flats north of the city. While searching for their cabin, Mercy sees the three men again and decides to test her theory, and she engages them in conversation about their lack of luggage. Fowler is dark-haired and seems a little more cautious and hesitant, but the blonde-haired Cooper eagerly joins in the conversation and seems to be trying to flirt with Mercy and Molly. The third man that Mercy suspects is a witness in protective custody remains silent. In the dining car that evening, Molly criticizes Mercy for not letting her guard down to enjoy the good food and drinks. But, being a music shop owner, it doesn't take long for Molly to get distracted by a singer and musician entertaining the crowd. Mercy takes that opportunity to slip back into their room where she studies a map to look for possible locations for an ambush. Molly returns to the room to find Mercy in her trekker uniform, but her momentary anger is replaced by concern as Mercy explains her thoughts about the agents and the witness, especially now that she's identified a likely location for an ambush that they are quickly approaching. Mercy tells Molly to stay in their room while she goes to warn Fowler and Cooper, but it's already too late. The brakes squeal and the train lurches, throwing Mercy and Molly to the floor. A moment later, Mercy rushes from the room with her guns in hand, telling Molly to seal the door behind her, and she repeats those instructions to other passengers as she runs through the corridors. Entering the area with the agent's cabin, she finds a huge hole ripped through the metal walls from the explosion that stopped the train. The bloody body of the naive Cooper lays dead on the floor, while Fowler fires through the hole into the barren wasteland outside the train toward four figures who are approaching the stopped train. Every shot he fires misses. Mercy runs forward with both guns blasting and quickly takes down all four of the advancing figures. She tells Fowler to stay with his man and to keep his gun ready. 
he's going to need it. Mercy then turns and runs toward the front of the train where she finds the engineer being held at gunpoint by three armed men. She leaps through the door, pivots, and fires her guns, taking down all three of the intruders in quick succession. Mercy runs past the panicked engineer and engages the train's engines. As the train lurches forward, she tells the engineer to keep the train moving. Mercy races back to Fowler and begins questioning him, but his lack of experience leaves him rambling incoherently and repeating that it was supposed to be a simple witness transfer. Finally, the other man speaks up. His name is Tress. Mercy slams him against the wall, demanding to know who's after him. Just then, a familiar voice calls out to Mercy, and she turns to see Molly, who has come to see if there is anything she can do to help. Mercy's stern expression evaporates as she looks at her best friend, the little music shopkeeper who isn't phased by the body's blood and debris surrounding her. Just then, there's another explosion, and the train lurches again, throwing everyone to the floor. Mercy grabs Molly and tells Fowler to grab Trass and follow her. Standing at the gaping hole in the side of the train, Mercy pulls out a reeler and fires it into the distance and swings from the train with Molly in tow. Another explosion echoes from behind them, and Fowler and Trass are thrown to the barren ground outside of the train. Mercy falls on Molly, pinning her to the ground, protecting her from flying debris. Molly looks up at Mercy in amazement. She's never seen Mercy in action before. Mercy stammers, trying to explain that she couldn't let anything happen to Molly, when she hears the voice of Trass, telling her that Fowler needs her help. Fowler's leg is broken, and Mercy knows it won't be long before the intruders on the train realize where they've gone. Their only hope is to get to the best shelter they can find in this barren wasteland, and they begin to slowly walk into the rocky terrain ahead. I absolutely love the train to Avalon Bay. As they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that applies to me with this story. I can remember when I first saw the solicitation for this book, I could hardly believe that Trekker was returning after such a long hiatus. And it doesn't miss a beat because of the long absence, picking up right where the previous story, Trial by Fire, left off. When reading the stories back-to-back -back today, you don't even realize there was a gap in time. We've heard Ron Randall talk about how he actually plotted the story out immediately after finishing Trial by Fire, because he didn't plan to take a decade-long break in the series, but things just happened that way. But having done that advanced work made it easy for him to pick up the story and continue right where he left off and move forward, which is great for all of us Trekker fans. And I think it's great to have Molly in this story. We get to spend some more time with her, and since I like her character, I really appreciate that. But I have to wonder about who's looking after Scuff. Hmm, you're right. Maybe Uncle Alex. Now that would be a funny side story if we saw the two of them staring at each other, wondering how they were going to spend the week together, and both worrying about Mercy. That would be fun. <laughs> Now let's take a few minutes to talk about our favorite pages and panels. Ruth, what were some of your favorite pages? Okay, let's start on page 16. Okay, just a moment. Okay, I'm there. Okay, the dining car scene. I love the atmosphere. 
The use of warm, earthy colors and the views of the musician make it seem like a great place to spend time. And I think it serves to reinforce Molly's point that Mercy should try to relax and enjoy herself. Now flip back a few pages to number 10. Okay, I'm there. And as I was going back through the book, the details on this page drew me in. I love the city buildings and the backgrounds. It's a nice scene with a variety of light sources, some from headlights of flying cars and the lights on and in the police cars, for example. The shading based on those light sources is great. And the color choices and whatever the effects are to make those lights work in the scenes is very well done. I really agree. I almost picked this one as one of my favorite pages. I'm glad that you did because I love the very first panel in the page with the uh, police hover cars there. And mm -hmm. I love the two panels near the bottom of the page where Mercy stretches out her arm and fires her reeler and then swings off into the distance. It's yes. a great page. And now my last choice for favorite page. Turn to page 27. Further uh, over. Okay, I'm there. I like the first large panel with the dramatic image of the train on the busted rails and with the rising fire and smoke all around it. Then the four vertical panels I think are very well structured to show the quick commanding actions by Mercy to get Molly and the others out of the train, ending with a great 3D view of the reeler shooting just out and off the edge of the last panel. I agree. Those four vertical panels really do propel forward and make you feel that it's moving really fast. And I love that last image of the reeler too. You have good taste as well. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, there are so many great action pages in this issue that I had to start with one of those, but I found it difficult to choose which one. But in the end, I decided on page 22. Okay, got it. It has so many great action poses of Mercy. She's firing her weapons. She's leaping over debris. She's pivoting and then taking out three armed intruders in quick succession. I just love everything about it. It's an action-packed, fast-moving page. That's great. I enjoyed that one, too. And then let's flip over to page 11. Just a few more pages. I got it. Okay, this may not be an obvious choice, but it's a definite favorite of mine. It's the page where Mercy and Molly are standing in line to board the train, and it offers great examples of the way Ron Randall can use camera angles to make seemingly mundane scenes very interesting. Mercy is standing astride, taking up a maximum amount of space, as though she's in charge while Molly is standing demurely with her arms crossed in front, minimizing her space. But as she starts to talk about her irresistible charms, she gets this very coy look on her face. And then suddenly the scene changes when Mercy sees the three men in the other line. I like that as well. Yeah, I see what you mean about her stance in that first panel is very commanding and confident of herself. And for my favorite page, that's going to be the very first page in the book, back on page 7. Okay, just a moment. Eight, seven. I got it. That image of Mercy swinging into view is fantastic, and it's the perfect way for Mercy to return to readers. It's a commanding image of her, and I love that it includes both her cape and the reeler. In addition, there's a view of the skyline of New Gallif behind her, as well as the dirty, smoggy skies to establish the location. It's the kind of opening page that lets you know there is more excitement to come. And it's the perfect image to remind longtime readers of why they love Mercy St. Clair and a great way to introduce new readers to Trekker. I love it. It is gorgeous. I love it too. Okay, now let's move on and talk about our favorite panels. Let me start with the last panel on page 22. Okay, let me flip there. All right, I'm there. I love how Mercy's figure slips down and off the bottom edge of the page. I think it helps add motion and excitement to the action in the scene where she is dodging the incoming weapon blast. I agree. In fact, placing Mercy slightly off the panel frame occurs a few other places with nice effects. 
See page 21. Okay. And then uh, 17 and 18 for more examples. Oh, okay. Yes. And then especially you'll notice she is running off and out of the panel on page 18. I really like that. Yes, I do too. Okay, back to my favorite panels. Now go to page 9. Okay, I'm there. See the top panel? Oh, yes. There, Mercy is crashing through a wall to tackle the bad guy. I think it looks great. And there are chunks and splinters of wood flying through the air everywhere. Very exciting. I agree. I really like that panel. Now let's go to page 26 and look at the very last frame on that page. Okay, I'm there. I think Ron did a great job capturing the physical impact of the train's abrupt stop due to the explosion. Mm -hmm. You see everyone is being knocked off their feet and the anatomy and the movement look just right. And I'm sure it was a challenge to draw. Yes, and it does look terrific. And my top choice is on page 20. Okay, I'm there. For me, it is a classic image of my hero Mercy on the last panel. And it is so good, Ron put it on the cover of the omnibus. I love the serious look on her face and seeing her in action. I think it's terrific. I really like that panel too. I wonder what I'll say about it. I'm curious. <laughs> Tell me about your favorites, Darren. All right, so for my favorite panels, let's turn to page 9. Okay, I found 9. Hey, I recognize this page. <laughs> <laughs> there in the center. I'm choosing a different panel than you did. I loved your panel, but I'll choose a panel in the center of the page, which is the first example of the iconic muzzle blast in more than a decade. I always love those images, so I had to choose this one. Plus, this one gets bonus points because it's being fired sideways. Yes. It's, it's a really great image. Good choice. Then next, I'm going to cheat and count two train scenes as one even though they're completely unrelated and on different pages. Really? Okay, go right ahead. <laughs> so on page 15. 15. I see the train. I love that center panel of the train racing through the desert as vultures circle overhead as if they're foreshadowing what's to come. It's really mm -hmm. great. You can see and feel the train's movement there in this static image. It's gorgeous. And then flipping on over to page 28. Okay, I'm on 28. There at the top of the page, it's a fantastic scene of Mercy using her reeler to swing away from the train with Molly in tow as another explosion rips through the train behind them. The art and the perspective and the colors are all great. I just love it. And for my favorite panel, flip back to page 20. I recognize this page number <laughs> and I see which page it is. Yes. Yes. The very bottom panel, you chose it as your favorite panel. It's my favorite panel from this book as well. It's one of my all-time favorite images of Mercy. She's rushing forward. She has a stern look on her face. Both guns are blasting to each side. Another example of the iconic Trekker muzzle blast images that I like. We like this image so much that uh, we use it occasionally on our social media pages. I made laptop bags that have this image on the side of it. And mm -hmm. we've even given one of those to Ron as a gift. And it's always fun when we see him at a convention and he's actually using it. How nice. But it's a great image. I love it too. As with the Trekker Omnibus, the trade paperback version of the trained Avalon Bay features a sketchbook, but we'll wait and talk about that when we get to the end of the book. It's time for Who's Who, when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them just a little better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a Trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gellif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet Scuff, which is a dox and a cross between a dog and a fox. Alex St. Clair is Mercy's uncle and a lieutenant in the police force. 
The police and trekkers don't generally like each other, but these two definitely care for each other and sometimes collaborate on cases. Molly Sundowner is a local music shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away and is generous to a fault. And we're reminded of Paul Clemens in this story, a police officer who worked in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. He was in love with Mercy, and the two had an on-again, off-again relationship. In the previous story, Trial by Fire, he gave his life to save hers. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. Thanks to everyone for all of the great comments. They add so much to the show. So a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write in or to get in touch through social media. In the last episode, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Star Trek by sharing our personal Star Trek memories and covering the Star Trek Unlimited comic series with art by Ron Randall. We received lots of great responses and happily learned many fans of Trekker love Star Trek too. Lori Sutton, former DC editor and writer of You Choose Stories and our friend, proclaimed, Every Trek fan will relate to this. Martin Gray of the great blog Too Dangerous for a Girl said, I never knew there was such a comic. Intriguing. Chris Mounts included our last episode on his top three podcast episode list. Thanks, Chris. We received a great letter from Chris Franklin of the Supermates podcast that he does with his lovely wife, Cindy. They did a Star Trek anniversary tribute in episode 59 of their fun show. He wrote, I really enjoyed hearing about your Star Trek origins and memories. That cruise sounded amazing. I didn't even know such a thing ever occurred, and you two were there. I'm insanely jealous right now. Oh, and I'm glad you had some Trek Power Records, Darren. I did too. Rob and I need to cover some more of those over on our Power Records podcast. Yes, that would be great, Chris. Karen Williams of the excellent blog Between the Pages wrote, We were also married in 1988. We bought about 10 to 20 of the single episodes on VHS. Love your discussion of your Star Trek memories. So many of those parallel ours. Star Trek The Original Series is my favorite TV series, and The Voyage Home is my favorite Star Trek movie. William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are two of my favorite actors. I highly recommend the audiobook version of Shatner's book about Nimoy. I don't usually listen to nonfiction, but I really enjoyed that book. We got that book from Audible on Karen's recommendation and enthusiastically agree with her. And she added, I wish IDW would reprint those Star Trek Unlimited comics. The Ron Randall covers are gorgeous. And thanks to Karen for letting writer Paul O'Connor know we mentioned Mercy's cameo on Four Seconds on Trekker Talk. And as a reminder, Four Seconds also features art by Carl Kiesel, who is also a member of Helioscope Studios. Tony Greenall posted another great episode from Trekker Talk this week, featuring the 50th anniversary of Star Trek and Ron Randall's Trek books. Tony said he loved the memories of getting into Star Trek as a kid and tracking it down on TV and in the cinema. He said his earliest Star Trek memory was receiving a Star Trek annual from an uncle one childhood Christmas, and he wishes he still had it. Tony Greenall also sent a note to make us aware of the positive mention that Ron Randall and Trekker received on a recent episode of Comic Book Noise that covered Future Quest, where Ron does some occasional art. And Tony did a post to encourage others to pick up some art by Ron Randall. Tony shared that he has a print by Ron on his wall that he looks at every day that he won in one of our contests. John Baker posted, Just got done listening to the podcast, and I enjoyed it enthusiastically. Talking about Star Trek is like welcoming old friends back into your life after they've been gone for a while. It's a world so many of us grew up with and have enjoyed the interesting additions to this world through film, TV, and print. And fun to know that so many of us have remained faithful to our fandom for these 50 years. Thanks for taking us on this wonderful walk with your podcast. I also enjoyed how the Star Trek, Ron Randall, and Trekker worlds meld together for a fun relationship through the comics. Again, great show, and filled with interesting tidbits and pleasant memory-inducing moments. 
Thank you for those kind words, John. John Baker also let me know that he enjoys the passive-aggressive, sneaky machinations of the Romulans as well. Glad we have that in common, John. Joe Crawford of the blog for the non-discerning reader wrote, I really love the newest episode. It was great to hear the origins of your fandom for Star Trek. Like Ruth, I mostly became interested later on. My sister always watched the original series after school, and sometimes I would watch along. I had some of the action figures from the motion picture, but I would not say that I was a fan. That all changed with Khan. I was the right age and was wowed. I have followed the various series off and on ever since. The Star Trek comics by Marvel are a blind spot for me. I was out of reading at the time they had the license, but I loved the DC run. These unlimited issues sound great. And we must thank Joe, who surprised us with a treasure trove of comics, including some great Star Trek issues to help us celebrate the 50th anniversary. He also included issues of Doctor Who and some issues of Archie as well. Thank you so much, Joe. That was very generous. Our good friend Linda Tranfeld from the UK enjoyed the Star Trek-related photos we shared on Facebook and shared several kind words there as she enjoyed a walk with us down memory lane. Colin Stapleton of the Worst Comic Podcast Ever, in name only, left us a review on iTunes, especially about the Star Trek episode. He said, Great show as usual, guys. I love the occasional side trip, and your personal recollections of the show made it a very intimate experience. You both have great recording voices, and I'm pumped to get to the next episode. Live long and prosper. Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics blog wrote, Excellent coverage and tribute to Star Trek's 50th anniversary. I love all the memories you two shared, especially Darren's memories of rushing home from school to watch and drawing Kirk and Spock. School on Saturday to make up snow days? Yikes. Personally, I came to Star Trek a little backwards. I knew of the show and movies, but never really paid much attention. I was a much bigger Doctor Who fan, and still am, honestly. But things changed for me in 1987. There was something new coming out called Star Trek The Next Generation that caught my attention, and I just had to watch it. I stayed up late when the first episode aired to give it a try, and from that moment on, I was hooked. I'm pretty sure I never missed an episode. If I knew I wouldn't be home to see it, you better believe I had the VCR set. It was from here that I actually started paying more attention to the original series. I can't say that one is necessarily better than the other because they both are great in different ways. And we have some highlights to share from Paul, our friendly neighborhood Spidey fan from Belfast. To celebrate Star Trek's 50th anniversary, he and his sister Lynn attended the massive Destination Star Trek convention in the UK that had dozens of guests for all of the various Star Trek series and more than 25,000 attendees. Paul begins, It was great fun. Lynn and I had a ball. They had two replica bridges, one original, the other next generation. They had a Klingon area as well. You could get your picture taken by yourself on either bridge, or there were options for the stars to pose and join you on the bridge. Each time a star came onto the bridge for one of their photo sessions, a huge cheer went up. Paul is a big fan of George Takei and talked about attending his discussion panel. He wrote, What can I say? Icon, inspiration, fantastically funny man. He spoke about getting the Star Trek job, Gene Roddenberry's vision, and the impact of the show. He also acted out scenes from Star Trek VI. Hilarious! Even doing a James Doohan impersonation. There was a standing ovation, of course. Walter Koenig's talk was moderated by Garrett Wang from Voyager. They knew each other, obviously, and had a ball doing the Q&A. In addition to Star Trek, Walter also talked about his time on Babylon 5, which I'll say is another favorite show of ours. This convention even included a performance of William Shatner's one-man show, Shatner's World, in which he tells his autobiography firsthand with pictures and film clips on the screen behind him. Ruth took me to see this for my birthday a few years ago, and it's great. Paul wrote, I loved it. Some things I knew, some not. He appeared to be truthful, funny, and entertaining. I had to keep pinching myself that this man was 85, 
running and jumping around the stage. Amazing. Live long and prosper. Thanks for sharing all of that with us, Paul. Gene Hendricks of the Hammer Strikes wrote in about the Star Trek episode, which we really appreciated since we know he's a huge fan as well. And he said, it's always great to hear how people discover the stuff they love. Gene is so kind, and after hearing our Thor and Loki episode, he gave us a wonderful book titled Norse Myths. It's a great collection of so many myths. We've both been reading it and enjoying it. Thanks, Gene. Firestorm fan Shag took the Trekker omnibus with him on a business trip recently and posted a picture online saying, I've been enjoying Trekker's adventures on my travels. The Let's Talk Masters of the Universe fan site did a terrific Friday follows for Ron Randall, calling him the creative mind behind Trekker comic and its protagonist, Mercy St. Clair, and including photos of Ron and Mercy. It was a great post. They also let us and Jerry McColwell know that they were headed to the comic shop to pick up a copy of the new He-Man Thundercats comic. Jeremy does the colors on that title, and they are great. Ron Randall contributed a great sketch of Orion to the Hero Initiative for their Kirby Wake Up and Draw charity fundraiser that helps comic creators in need. Congratulations to the lucky bidder who picked up a great item and helped a very good cause. And speaking of Ron Randall, lucky residents in Hawaii had the opportunity to meet him recently at Maui Comics, where he signed books and did sketches. I'm confident that trip to Hawaii was purely for research purposes, and I'm sure we'll see Mercy on a tropical adventure in the near future. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast in Australia is no longer waiting for his prize Trekker omnibus signed by Ron Randall. He sent us his thanks and added that Trekker talk is superb. Thank you, Paul. Hope you enjoy the book. And we'll close with a sincere thank you to Pablo Ventura. He is an artist and surprised us with two beautifully rendered ink sketches of Mercy St. Clair. These are amazing. One has Mercy climbing a ladder with her cape blowing in the wind, and the other has her with a very atmospheric nighttime background as she is poised for action. Pablo had sent a couple of shots of the works in progress, but we were absolutely stunned when we opened the package and saw them in person. They're gorgeous. Thanks, Pablo. That was so very generous of you. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast, and best of all, helps to spread the word about the Trekker series. And please consider leaving an iTunes review. It could really help make the show easier to find in searches. Before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time as well. Andrew Leyland of Hey Kids Comics and the Two True Freaks Network. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Bucks Commentary Blog. Ashford of Feathers and Foes of Birds of Prey Podcast and Straight Outta Gallifrey. BC Fan 101. Ben Robbins. Brian Mulvey. Captain Marvel. Carolyn Wallace. Chris Dingsdell. Chris Franklin of the Supermates Podcast. Chris Mounts. Chris Sheehan, co-host of Weird Comics History and Cosmic Treadmill Podcasts. Clinton Robinson of the Coffee and Comics Blog. Cullen Stapleton of the Worst Comics Podcast Ever, in name only. Dan Cooney, artist and illustrator of the Tommy Gun Dolls and Valentine. DC in the 80s. Deborah Franklin. Diabolu Frank of the Idle Head of Diabolu Martian Manhunter Blog. Dr. G, Manhunterdology of the Pulp to Pixel Podcast. Ed Terry and Nick Moore of Till Productions. Edgar Rice Burroughs Fan. Eric Mannix of Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages. Gene Hendricks from The Hammer Strikes and Anime Freaks. Greg Arujo of the Comic Book Ad Facebook page. Gus Sabalios of the Mike Grell Facebook page. The great team at Helioscope Studio. Irene Mills. Jeff Messer of the Geek Brain Popcast. 
Great colorist Jeremy Colwell. Jerry McMullen of the Worst Comics Podcast Ever. Jesse Hamm of Helioscope Studio. Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader. John Baker. John Rogers. Justice's First Dawn with Mike Peacock. Karen Ahmed Hamden. Karen Williams of the Between the Pages blog. Ken Solo. Kevin Hupp. Kyle Benning of King Size Comics Giant Size Fun and the Superman Captain Marvel Power Hour. Larry Looper Jr., a.k.a. The Question at Vic Sage 2005. Lori Sutton, writer of You Choose Adventure Books. Let's Talk Masters of the Universe. Linda Tranfeld. Mark Sweeney from I'm the Gun blog and podcast and comic couplets. Martin Gray of the Too Dangerous for a Girl blog. Matthew Barton. Michael Carlisle of the blog Crap Box Son of Cthulhu. Michael Chen. Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age. Nicholas Prom of Comic Reflections. Pablo Ventura. Paul from Belfast. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast. Paul O'Connor of the blog Longbox Graveyard and writer of Four Seconds. Paula Hammonds. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Rob Lance. Rolled Spine Podcast. Ron Lynn and Lisa Randall. Ruth Reese. Ryan Daly of the Power of Fishnets and Secret Origins and many other podcasts. Scott Eos. Shag, a.k.a. Firestorm Fan of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Silver and Gold Podcast. Tim Wallace of the Phantom Skull Cave Blog and Cord Industries Blue Beetle Blog. Tony Greenall. Warren Montgomery of Will Lil Comics, Wendy Freeman of the podcast Double Page Spread, and Zeb Oswalt. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. This person is one of our earliest followers, he has done a great job of promoting Trekker Talk from the beginning and consistently likes and retweets our posts to help get the word out about our show. He is also a constant supporter of Ron Randall. He grew up reading Trekker, and that excellent introduction into comics sparked his love of drawing. So we lift our glasses and give a thankful Trekker toast to Pablo Ventura. Congratulations, Pablo. We sincerely appreciate all of your consistent support. And we are still stunned by those amazing drawings of Mercy St. Clair. They have a special place on the wall here in our home. Thank you so much, Pablo. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts that you might enjoy. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon Princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Wonder Woman is one of the greatest, most long-lived and visibly recognizable icons of female empowerment the world has ever known. That's a crushing weight of expectation to place on someone's shoulders. And Princess Diana of the Amazons has faced scathing criticism for her entire existence as a result. I'm Diablo Frank, and I've been a fan of the Amazing Amazon for my entire life. But she didn't become one of my absolute favorite superheroes until the 1990s. That doesn't seem all that long ago to me, but every year I meet more adults who are otherwise preoccupied getting born around them, so I guess it's been a spell. I try to be a good feminist and all-around decent guy, but I'm still a human being chock full of character flaws 
flaws, quirks, and hang-ups that make me less than anyone's ideal. Despite being an admirable heroine fighting for her rights in her satin tights, Wonder Woman is as human as Adam, and they have the same basic origin. But boy, did that guy make a mess of things. Shouldn't we extend someone with Wonder Woman's track record the same courtesy and empathy we can and should offer to the rest of the world? To be truthful, I'm not a typical fan of the Paradise Island set. I'm not big on mythology, and I'm highly critical of the most popular Themyscirian stories. I like it when Wonder Woman loses her powers and hangs out with a tiny blind Asian martial arts master named Ai Ching, or when she works at Taco Bell and helps collect child support for a co-worker from a deadbeat mafioso dad, or when she rides around on kangaroo ponies from outer space and is a little too into bondage and spanking for the squares. Wonder Woman is great, but I really miss Diana Prince, the reminder that the heroine feels and fails and bleeds like the rest of us. That's why I call my podcast about her Diana Prince Wonder Woman, and the music playing in the background is from the off-model Kathy Lee Crosby TV movie from 1974, because I like to remember there's a woman behind all that wonder, and I'd like to talk about her if you care to listen on iTunes, Shout Engine, and the Internet Archive. It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. We were fortunate to make a quick trip to Baltimore Comic Con. It's one of our favorite comic conventions, and this year we were happy to see some guests and friends while we were there. Ron Randall's display of prints was great, and we were happy to see his lovely daughter Lisa, who was there to help out. She is so very nice and is a lot of fun to talk with and gives us good recommendations on other comics to try. And the ultimate Trekker mascot, Scuff, was there to help out as well. Shortly after we arrived, Ron shared an exciting story with us that we just missed seeing when he had an unexpected conversation with Sean Astin at his booth. For those who don't know, Sean Astin is the actor who played the loyal and courageous hobbit Sam in the Lord of the Rings films. Sean was also a guest at Baltimore Comic Con and had been walking around the show floor while live-streaming video on Periscope when Ron's books caught his eye. Sean interviewed him about his work and bought the books, and he posted the video on Twitter, where we got to see it later. Ron is a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien and admires Sean Astin's work, so he was understandably delighted. We'll include a link to a photo of Sean with Ron, as well as the video. Sean Astin spent more than 10 minutes with Ron, so it's definitely worth checking out the video. While we were there, we picked up a copy of the Baltimore Comic Con yearbook. There's a different theme for the book every year, and guests contribute art to it. This year's theme was Archie Comics. Ron created a fun image set at the beach where we find an enamored-looking Archie carrying Scuff and handing him to Mercy and Molly, who are wearing swimsuits and relaxing on the beach. In the background, Betty and Veronica look on jealously. And the great Jeremy Colwell did the colors for this gorgeous image. We had the good fortune to meet Katie Sackhoff at another convention this year. She is one of the stars of the sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica and the mystery Longmire. We've heard Ron Randall say that she would be his dream actress to play Mercy on film ever since Carl Kiesel first mentioned the idea. So we took the opportunity to show her a picture of Mercy and to tell her about Trekker and Ron Randall. Katie Sackhoff was very pleasant and seemed genuinely interested. She asked how to learn more, so I gave her a Trekker card so she could check it out later. She said, here's hoping, and then signed a photo for Ron saying, I'm your Trekker. And we surprised Ron with that autograph at the Baltimore Con. Also at the Baltimore show, we had the chance to meet Mark Schultz for the very first time. Mark Schultz is the creator, writer, and artist for the comic Xenozoic Tales, known to some as Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, and we do a podcast about that comic called Xenozoic Xenophiles. We were shocked to learn that he had actually heard of our podcast from Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary at another convention and had been listening to the show. That was amazing. We had a wonderful conversation with him about everything from comics to the beauty of black and white films, and he volunteered to record an interview with us for a future episode of our Xenozoic podcast. Thank you so much, Mark Schultz. And it was interesting to learn that Mark Schultz and Ron Randall are friends and had even gone out to dinner at the Baltimore show. 
It was so much fun to find that two of our all-time favorite comic creators are friends. And of course, that made us think about how much fun it would be if the two of them did a crossover print that somehow featured Mercy St. Clair teaming up with Hannah and Jack. Wouldn't that be a fun image to see? Being fans of Aquaman, we were also pleased to meet Paul Pelletier at the Baltimore Con, and we had him sign some issues of Aquaman. His art was outstanding, and we particularly liked his run on the comic when he worked with writer Jeff Parker, who's also a member of Helioscope Studios with Ron Randall. And while we were at Baltimore Comic Con, we met Tim Wallace of Cord Industries, a Blue Beetle blog, as well as the Phantom Skull Cave blog. This was our first time meeting Tim, but he was easy to spot because he came dressed as none other than Ted Cord, complete with awesome sunglasses, driving gloves, and a Blue Beetle shirt. He's a great guy, and we really enjoyed our conversations. And we were very happy to catch up with our friend Mike of Comics in the Golden Age podcast at the convention. He is terrific and knows so much about many comics from across the ages. We enjoyed meeting his lovely wife and one of his daughters who were also at the convention. They were having a wonderful day, in part because they all met Hallie Atwell, the star of Agent Carter at the con. Nice. Professor Allen and Emily of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network were also at the Baltimore Comic Con, but sadly, they were only there on Saturday and we were only there on Sunday, so we weren't able to meet up with them. However, Professor Allen did let us know that he stopped by to see Ron Randall at the con, and the two of them had a great conversation as well. As we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the new Trekker book is available for pre-order, and we were excited when Facebook friend Rob Lance shared a photo of the ad for Trekker Rites of Passage from the new issue of Previews. He tagged us in the post, and we shared it on our Trekker Talk Facebook page, and later noticed that Ron Randall had shared it on his page. A big thanks to Rob for being the first to share that with us. And if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, just check with your local comic shop this month, or follow up with Dark Horse or Amazon, or your favorite bookstore to place your order. The book will be out in February, and we all want to see a large number of pre-orders, which would make it easier for Ron Randall to schedule future publications of Trekker. We'll have links in our show notes so you can place your pre-order if you haven't already done so. We've told the story on our podcast before about buying the very first issue of Trekker, brand new off the shelf, at our local comic book shop back in 1987. And even though we don't live near the store any longer, we've continued to order our monthly comics from that same store. And we were happy to order the latest volume of Trekker from that very same shop, which is Mountain Empire Comics, still run by the same owner and our friend Robert Pilk. Such nice memories. Since the last episode, we amazingly were also able to attend Rose City Comic Con, we have some great stories to share about that event, including hanging out with friends and other Trekker fans. But just like we're covering the train to Avalon Bay in two parts, we're going to cover our convention news in two parts as well. So we hope everyone will come back next month for the conclusion of the train to Avalon Bay and our coverage of Rose City Comic Con. Ron Randall created some great art for an official book trailer. It's a new title called Journey to Wizard's Keep. It looks great, and you'll find a link to it in the show notes. Be sure and check it out. This is October, which means it's Inktober, when lots of artists share daily sketches on social media. And Ron Randall has dubbed this month Docstober by featuring daily sketches of everyone's favorite docs, Scuff. So be sure to check out all of those sketches from Ron Randall of Scuff getting into all kinds of mischief by searching for hashtag Docstober. You'll be glad you did. And if you want some more Inktober goodness, check out Ken Solo, who has been posting daily sketches as well. We've liked them all, and to date our favorite is a terrific drawing of Marta Kristen as Judy Robinson from the 1960s series Lost in Space. In closing, we want to send a special thank you to Diablo Frank, who records many great podcasts, including the DC Bloodlines podcast, as well as the Idlehead of Diablo, Martian Manhunter blog and podcast. 
He invited us to be part of a special episode of his Diana Prince Wonder Woman podcast to celebrate the 75th anniversary of that character, which is a favorite character of ours. We'll include a link to the podcast in our show notes. That new episode should be out just a few days after we release this episode of Trekker Talk. We are fans of his show, and it meant a lot to us to be invited as guest on that episode, and he made recording it so much fun. Thank you, Frank. We'll also mention another Wonder Woman podcast that Frank told us about, which is Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, hosted by Angela. She covers a Golden Age issue and a George Perez issue in each podcast, as well as an episode of the Linda Carter TV series. It's a great podcast that we've just started listening to, and we're really enjoying it. Thanks for the recommendation, Frank. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Every review helps the show be more likely to show up in search results to get the show noticed and perhaps even attract more listeners to Grow Trekker fandom. And please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode. And of course, you can always listen to the show on Stitcher and Google Play as well. We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr using the name Trekker Talk, and we're now on Instagram as well under Trekker Talk. And you can always visit trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media pages. Please use hashtag trekkercomic and hashtag trekkertalk in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversations. For those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag Trekker soundtrack. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall. You'll see that he often replies to tweets and Facebook posts as well, as on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker material. Thanks so very much for listening. We hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Music